The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7. And as you can see, we are joined by 247 Sports National College Football writer Brandon Marcello. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. And if you see Brandon in the double box, it only means we're going to be talking about ACC meetings and those lovely realignment conference rumors, Brandon. So first, before we dig deep on everything that's Grant and Wright's, what the ACC athletic directors were saying, let's talk about non-conference realignment issues. Any other topics in the ACC meetings that were discussed before we really go into the nitty gritty what everybody wants to hear? Yeah, some of it was tied to that a little bit. It's just as far as the non-revenue sharing model, or excuse me, unequal revenue sharing model and how that'll work. Um, also, some discussions just about uh, trying to explore different revenue streams to help strengthen the payouts uh, among conference mates there. Um, not really a lot of talk as far as things that would maybe even directly affect the football product on the field this upcoming season a lot of chatter about basketball as far as trying to improve the brand of acc basketball after these last two seasons of kind of subpar showings of having five teams advance the NCAA tournament but i think that's something that uh you know maybe will correct itself over the next few years as one of the basketball improves in the conference but also i mean listen you're losing i mean you've lost and losing so many big name coaches hall of famers and legends it's very difficult to just say overnight okay well duke's still duke and syracuse is still we syracuse and so i think that there's some some growing pains that are going to have to be uh, fought through there and it's affecting the outlook of the acc in a lot of ways everybody's impatient and it all kind of folds in together with all this realignment talk and why certain members are are upset or at least not content with the way things are right now because things obviously are on shaky ground across the country but in the ACC especially considering just how much changes have been have been happening there over the last 3 4 years. Yeah, it's strange to me that now Tony Bennett is one of the most veteran coaches in the conference all of a sudden. Um when you look at what's been going on as far as the ACC basketball programs but you're correct. You know, everything you hear from the AC meetings, it is centered about the seven schools, which included UVA, um, kind of seeing what's investigating the grant of rights, how 
you know, can it be broken? What are the legalities in it? Is how ironclad is it? And it feels like after reading your reports, Brandon, it feels like they, it kind of, the old gentleman's agreement was like, yes, we're fine. I guess right now we're all together, but maybe not so much. You know, it's kind of that uneasiness after the ACC meeting. Yeah, and I think here's the thing is that they're putting on a brave face and smiling through the pain in a lot of ways because, you know, even these schools that uh, say they're okay right now, they're they're not. Behind the scenes, everybody's looking out for themselves and looking around the country and trying to figure out what the next step is. I mean, among those seven schools, I think it's very easy to identify this the handful of those programs that are still going to be looking to potentially get out, Florida State, Clemson. For example, North Carolina, really trying to see what their options are. But here's the thing. My my sources have told me that this seven, this group of seven, whatever you want to call it, they've been exploring this together or on their own and through other avenues, through lawyers, et cetera, the last 16 months. This is nothing new. And if any of those programs, whether it was one or all seven, were going to break away and go do their own thing or join another conference. It would have happened by now, but that grant of rights is ironclad. No one wants to pay a huge buyout. The baseline buyout would be $120 million for one program. But for the people I've talked to in the industry, those costs would likely approach half a billion dollars because of all the TV rights fees and everything that ESPN slash ACC would still own through 2036. There was also just the messy... Uh, intertwined business relationships and legalities of ESPN owns the ACC programming. And so if you're a Florida State or Clemson and you break off, you go join, let's say you go join the, the SEC. Well, the SEC has an exclusive deal with ESPN. So are they just shifting money from one pot in the ACC, taking it away from them and putting it in the SEC? And how does that affect their relationship with the ACC? And for that matter, does ESPN when you want to be in that type of business where they're just going, yeah, we'll just move you over and pay more money to the SEC. Sorry, ACC. We don't want to pay you what we committed to in signing the contract. Um, it's very complicated, and that's why there's been no moves among ACC schools. And to be quite honest, uh, that is a credit to the presidents and chancellors at the time getting that deal done. Because if that if that deal wasn't as ironclad as it is right now, that we might be talking about the ACC as being the conference that's potentially dissolving rather than as we were like a two years ago at the Big 12. Like everybody's going, oh my God, the Big 12 is going to fold. Well, Big 12 survived. Not going to look like it used to with the Oklahoma and Texas, but man, the ACC is absolutely geographically locked by the sec they're just like pinned against the wall in a lot of ways um and so many programs the acc would fit into the sec footprint so many programs in the acc would fit into the big 10 footprint um both philosophically and then just as far as rivalry games and everything so um long story short this isn't over <laughs> in the moment one of these programs finds a way out and Maybe challenges in court, another one will follow. But I'm hesitant to actually paint a doomsday scenario over these next two or three years because, again, look, look at Texas and OU. They're leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. 
And just to leave one year earlier than they agreed, they're paying $100 million to the Big 12, all right? And that was negotiated down. And that's just for one year. One year. And you're talking about a handful of teams trying to get out of a deal that's still 13, got 13 years on it? Nobody's going to pay for that. And for that matter, the SEC, the Big Ten, wants no part of having to deal with any legal challenges that might either directly or indirectly involve them. So uh, for right now, I, there's just no way out of those ACC grant rights. But again, that is not slowing down, or not say slowing down, it's not stopping completely some of these programs from continuing to observe and look at potential options. And listen, there, there are a lot of, possibilities that they these programs were weighing uh whether it was just breaking away forming their own conference breaking away seeing if the remaining acc schools would wither and die and those seven acc schools that broke away maybe go independent for a few years like a notre dame schedule against each other and then some other non-conference games and wait for the acc dissolve and then start its own conference which is pretty much a new acc um, and heck, even uh, just a handful of those teams, a couple of those programs, say at Clemson or Florida State, okay, so maybe the SEC doesn't want us right now because of the legal challenges, but we'll go off in our own corner, be independent for a few years, fight this in court, get it all done, figure that out, and then once we come out on the other side, then we would go from independent to SEC or Big Ten. There are a lot of uh, moving pieces to all this and things that have been discussed, uh, whether through official channels or unofficial channels, for, for months now. And I, I'm just saying that this isn't done. It has slowed down, but it's not done. And the idea that all the ADs and presidents are holding hands and um, you know saying everything's fine, that is not the case because on Tuesday of the ACC spring meetings, they the ACC wanted the ADs to release a joint statement together, saying everything's fine. We're coming on this. We're coming together. We're getting on the same page with a unequal revenue sharing model. We want this conference to succeed. And several of those ADs said, "I don't want my name on that. I do not want that." And so no statement was released. So again, this isn't uh, the, the the happy reality, uh, or I should say the reality of the situation is always usually somewhere in between, but I could tell you not everybody's on equal footing. And for that matter, some of these programs' feet are moving faster underneath the water and churning to potentially try to look away to get out than some of the other members of that quote-unquote magnificent seven. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I think we did the almost exact same show about a year ago, just about the AC meeting when the first kind of rumors were going. And when we talked, we had heard like UVA was one of those schools. And it, obviously it shows now that they were one of the schools that started the process relatively early and try to see their options. Um, so basically these seven schools, uh, since they've been working behind the scenes for about 16 months, like you said, so there really is no significant into these magnificent seven, as far as like the number of it. So it's not from what I can gather from what you're saying, there's not a number of schools that they need to dissolve the GOR or anything like that. It's just, it's, they're still all investigating all on their own, what their individual options are rather than they need this amount of schools to dissolve. No, it's not like they're trying to, to to band people together and go, we need eight of the schools to join us. So it's over 50% to dissolve. Now, there is some thinking out there that the conference could would dissolve and the grant of rights would dissolve if you had more than 50% of the programs joint to, to, to leave at the same time. But I'm, I mean, I was told that that's maybe not necessarily true. And that's why there's still some hesitancy among those schools. And why I thought the number was so interesting for the for the most part. I mean, everybody in the conference has gone to you know to Charlotte, well now Charlotte, the the headquarters for the ACC, and examined the grant of rights. And I'm sure a lot of people listening and watching this know that <clears throat> the ACC's grant of rights with ESPN, like you cannot take those out of the building. You cannot bring those to your own university and study them, make photocopies of it for whatever reason. Um, but that grant of rights, there's a previous version of it that has floated around on the internet <clears throat> that came out, I think, in 2013, something like that. Well, that's been updated and amended or whatever, and it's only like a four-page document. <clears throat> so I've been talking to people in the industry of like, so are you really sending armies of lawyers to the ACC office to look at four pages of documents like you can't remember, like you couldn't get enough people there just to like memorize it and then take it back and get to your car and write it down almost like in memento or something uh, where you're tattooing on your body. And no, that's, that's not the case. I'm told that there's another document that's attached to it. That is much larger. And that is one that ESPN holds as far as what they do with the broadcast rights how that's all handled, the legalities of it and everything. It's a separate piece and it is gigantic, I'm told. And so that is really what they've been exploring. It's not necessarily this four-page document of saying, pretty much just line out, everything you broadcast is owned by us. We could do whatever mm -hmm. we want with it. Um, no, there's something else with ESPN and the agreements they had with the a ACC and other things. And, and so long story short, it is a very complicated situation and it's I mean, not you can't even simple. take it out of the building i mean that's complicated yeah it's not as simple as just a four-page document laying on a table uh in charlotte it, it's a larger larger uh document that espn has man i never thought covering college football would be the most top secret uh information that you can't take files out of a building that's that's the first one brandon that, that's that's quite um so 
moving forward for the SEC, um, because they also have to deal with the fact, is the big or SEC even willing to expand at the moment, or they're just going to be wait and see? Like you mentioned, two, three, four years. I mean, the deal goes to 2036. This feels like it's going to drag on for much longer here. It feels like it's not a year or two. It feels like it could be, you know, a course over a decade here, unless something something is revealed among one of these times they go into Charlotte and find something, a, a one-sentence loophole. Yeah, it's almost like a, a volcano that's not necessarily completely dormant, but rumbles every few months, and everybody's wondering, is this the big one? And then it might be, and then a thousand years later, maybe it finally explodes, or maybe it's next week. And that's how this ACC situation is going to be. Every few months, there's probably going to be some type of rumble of some sort. It's going to be this school saying, hey, maybe we got a better idea of the grant of rights and you know, maybe we actually have a way out of this. But again, there's so many hypotheticals to go through with this. And again, where's the landing spot? Everybody just assumes SEC or Big Ten for a lot of these programs. But I go back to, are they willing to, one, accept them at face value? But secondly, do you accept them with, all these legal hurdles ahead of them, of those schools, and then possibly dragging yourself into it because that has not necessarily been the case for any of this realignment talk. USC, UCLA, clean split. Texas OU, pretty much a clean split. They decide to just leave it a year earlier and they're paying $100 million or whatever. This is like, you can't have a clean split. You have a, you're married for the next 13 years. And a lot of these schools, like right now, I, I, I liken this unequal revenue sharing model that they're putting together, which will get approved later this summer, I'm told, to like introducing a prenup in the in like year seven of a marriage. Like what where the heck did this come from? You want me to sign this after all this? And it's just very strange. And um a lot of people see it as a band-aid for all this and it'll keep people happy. I don't see it as that that it is it at all. I see this as the first step in a long game for a lot of these power, power, more powerful schools in the ACC to break away. I think they are poking and prodding everybody to see where are the weak points? Where can we break this thing? Um, and this is part of it, unequal revenue sharing. The next step, I believe, is going to be certain schools, including Florida State, pushing this further and asking, we want more of the TV revenue pie, which is not included in this. We want we want 17% of the revenue pie year every year over year over year because our data shows us that we're the most popular brand, most watched brand in all the ACC, and you're not paying us enough. It's not enough to just give us bonuses based off our college football playoff success or men's basketball tournament success. You just need to give us a flat rate that's higher than everybody else because more people watch us and we're the ones who draw eyes and money to your conference. That'll be the next thing. And there will be a lot of pushback on that. That I don't think that'll ever happen, but that's just another, another piece uh, of all this. That's going to kind of add another weapon to Florida state Clemson's arsenal to fight back against the ACC, whether it's two years from now or five years from now about trying to get out. Now, more specifically, obviously, we're a Virginia podcast on Wahoo's 24-7. So for Virginia, when you look at UVA and, you know, we look at the big SEC, you see that they're an AAU program, a university. So obviously the Big Ten, the accreditation, sometimes you think, okay, that'll be where they could marry on that. So if you go into the conference realignment, when you look 
look at Virginia, um, obviously we're years down the line, but what are some of the things that if you were UVA, either promote your school as far as to the conferences or where do you kind of see kind of where they can kind of move forward here in this game where obviously college football, they might not have much success in the last few years, but they do in the last few years, UVA has success in basketball and several of their Olympic sports. I mean, men's tennis just won a national championship. Lacrosse is going to men's lacrosse going championship weekend. Women's swimming won a national title. How do you see the UVA program coming kind of navigating this very, very tenuous waters? Yeah, because you know, I've lived in SEC country most of my life. So when you mentioned lacrosse, it's a great sport, but nobody plays that in the SEC. So where do you go with that? Do you try to remain an ACC member or a big 10 member go independent or whatever with lacrosse or, and how do you deal with that? And for that matter, your, your swimming programs. Um, I think that what's really crucial here for every team, including Virginia is just what is your exact financial commitment and what is your plan for football? Because you can be successful in basketball and the other sports. And I hate to say this without actually being among the top spenders. It's just how it is because those are smaller sports with a smaller amount of players required to be successful in a roster football is the gigantic enterprise that obviously is only fed through cash money it's not you can't just go anymore man i want to attend the university of virginia because i love it there no it's there's money steering everybody to programs now the big boys are getting players because one they win but also because they've got the money whether it's through their facilities or through NIL situations right now. And I'm telling you, within five years, we're they're going to be paying players straight from the university as employees or some sort of agreement through that probably. And who's got the money to do that? Who's been setting aside money to prepare for that? So if I'm Virginia and I'm actually looking to get out of the ACC and put myself in a strong position, I wouldn't be investing as much money as possible and much resources as possible to the commitment for football. And for that matter, trying to drum up more fan support so that stadium is not three quarters full or half full late in the season, no matter what the product is showing on the field. You got to drum up support and get things going because that is the face of your program. That's the gate to your university and you know, like it or not. And if you want to be taken seriously by the Big Ten or the SEC, for that matter, in the future, as a potential member, you've got to show more of a commitment with football. And then uh, my final question is, if you had to go into the future, what do you see happening? If you had to guess right now, do you feel like the ACC will still be healthy? And I'm not, I'm not saying gone, but healthy in about five, six years. I think within the next five years, at least one program will leave. They're, they're going to test it. They're going to try and test this and they're going to take a chance because things are changing so wildly uh, from just a money situation. And I'm telling you, a lot of programs are about to be left behind, um, even if there is not realignment, because at some point, because of the money, and we're seeing this out on the West Coast right now, we're seeing the early, we talk about volcano rumbling, we're seeing the little early signs of this. Washington, Washington State, yeah. Washington State, it, completely a frozen new hires. Non-essential travel has been paused. Uh, they are overspending in their athletics department. They are doing a self-audit and looking into things there about how we're spending money. Because every athletic department 
most athletic departments spend as much as that comes in. It's a zero sum game for them. And when you start overspending and then you're in the Pac-12 and say, you got to pay some money back, like we see with the Pac-12, because there was a Comcast deal where they were getting paid, paid extra from them on accident. And allegedly the previous commissioner there, Larry Scott, was not very forthright in uncovering that, but also providing that information to his athletic directors and school presidents. And now they got to pay all this money back and it's affecting their bottom lines. That's difficult. And so look at the ACC. We talk about this unequal revenue sharing model. This is something that just happened in Washington State. So you're talking about like a year budget. It's like, well, this year we came in over budget. We got to stop everything. Well, you go with this unequal revenue sharing model. I've had administrators in the ACC tell me this. Like, how do we budget year to year when we don't know how much we're going to be making? You make guesstimates. That's all you can do. Well, we think football is going to be in the 12-team playoff this year. So let's add an extra $5 million to our projected budget. I mean, that doesn't sound like a big deal, $5 million, like a drop in the bucket, but that stuff adds up over time. And say you're Florida State and you're lost in the wilderness for four or five years when you're accustomed to winning 10 games a year or maybe getting the playoff. Like they just have gone through where they have not been able to win and you're counting on some money every one to two or every three years and you're not getting it at all. Um, that'll compound itself. And again, college athletics is changing. At some point, they're probably going to have to start paying players directly. How are, how's NIL going to be handled when potentially all NIL will be handled by universities or steered by universities? Um, it's, uh, it's a crazy day. And then also, college football, if you start seeing these other pros like Washington State kind of just falling off and falling off to the point where you're like, they have no way of recovering and being a football program that even contends to win eight or nine games in a Power Five conference anymore. And so what's the point of keeping them on board as a, as a conference? And so from a money-making standpoint, Big Ten, the SEC, ACC, Big 12, at what point do they come together and go, let's form our own football conglomerate that takes the top 36 teams and does a conference. We divide them up as div divisions, make it a mini NFL and go do our own playoff, make more money and keep those programs alive. And you go play your other sports in your own conferences, still basketball or whatever, and let that be run with the NCAA. But football needs to become its own thing because it's the cash cow and it's got much more at stake. And it's very clear that there's no room for haves and have nots to play together anymore because the, the gap is way too wide. It's not competitive. It's not entertaining. It's not making money anymore. And um, that's, that's the territory we're entering right now. And so I say that all to say this, like five, six, seven years from now, maybe the ACC is all together. Maybe that one or two teams do not leave, but is it really all that healthy if there's, five programs in the ACC that's struggling to even keep up financially. And at what point does the top four ACC teams take their football programs and go play in this conglomerate or whatever? And those are conversations. I'm not just speaking out of my, my rear end on all this. These are conversations are being had and questioned at every spring meeting, business session across the country in every conference and that chatter continues to heat up and at some point money steers all all the ships in this and, and at some point it's going to it's going to be too big to to ignore yeah it's it's 
every every season you start there's something new and i feel like we are staring over to a you know either a, a big football conference like you just alluded to or just something really big happening among some of the top teams from each conference that are not named sec and big 10 and and also you're seeing programs that are relying on development on athletes being some of the schools that get left behind because like you said when you have a shared revenue system if you're a developmental program you might not get as much of the pie the first two three years of your i guess your developmental cycle that you have so it's going to be a little bit harder and then especially if you have some people rely more on the transfer portal or not some schools can't rely on the portal as much due to either nil issues or just academic restraints so all that is just other things that are happening in college football it's, it's a quite a chaotic time right now to navigate it and I, I don't envy those people who are trying to uh figure it out so but brandon thank you so much for kind of breaking down like the myths that are out there i feel like there's every day there's a new rumor that pops up on social media or on a message board but also just kind of steering us about what you've heard uh, about what's going on as far as the acc the gor and the realignment so i appreciate it no problem appreciate you and of course, if you like what we're hearing, go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. And if you are watching this on YouTube, go ahead and like our channel. Also like this video and go ahead and leave a review. So I appreciate it and hope you guys have a great rest to your week. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.